Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that God's justice cannot sleep forever. Tough words at the beginning of the summer sermon, I know. I tremble for my country. Don't blame me, blame Thomas Jefferson. The words are his, they belong to our third president, etched in the northeast portico of the Jefferson Memorial, his Greek temple on the National Mall in Washington. I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just. Jefferson's theme and his fear I take today for my sermon, entitled, On Citizenship. A conflict about who counts was written into the American founding documents. Jefferson wrote, all men are created equal, even as he held human beings in slavery, even as he denied Sally Hemings a legal capacity to consent or to flee his advances. Jefferson knew better. He aspired to more. Jefferson, like so many of the framers, failed to live up to his best aspirations, to the best story of America. He failed to make good on his convictions. He left a nation with a legacy of slavery. The conflict at the heart of our country at its founding continues to this day. Whose voice counts? Whose vote counts? In short, who has a say? Who has agency? Who do we count as a citizen? In the time of Jesus, the question of citizenship also presented political energy. Certain people counted more. In the eyes of Israel, in the eyes of Rome, certain people had more say. Certain people had more power. Jairus was one of those people. Jesus and the disciples step off the boat and Jairus appears. Mark calls him a leader of the synagogue, a way of saying that this man exercised spiritual, yes, but also economic and political power. Jairus counted more. Of course, the disciples and Jesus hurry to follow him. They're hoping for a payday. Jesus' reputation as a healer is growing. If powerful folks like Jairus start seeking out the teacher, they might fund the ministry long term. So they follow. They went with Jairus. But then notice, notice what happens. As the crowd presses in, looking for miracles, headed toward the wealthy and powerful man's house, the unexpected occurs. Jesus stops. He looks all around. Who touched me, Jesus asks. The disciples are in a hurry. They're flabbergasted. They want to get on with the potentially lucrative work at hand. How can you say, who touched me in this crowd? Still, Jesus won't be dissuaded. A suffering woman, bankrupt by medical bills, courageously raises her hand. She comes and tells Jesus her whole truth. Jesus lifts up her face. 
He sees her, smiles. He takes the time to speak with this woman who has learned to be quiet, unobtrusive, who had learned from her neighbors that she was unfit to be seen. Earlier she had thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his robe and then disappear. But Jesus had other thoughts. Jesus wanted her to be seen. For Jesus, Jairus mattered. Jairus' daughter mattered, but this woman also mattered. She had a voice. She had a story. She had a truth, a whole truth to tell. She had a vote. She was a citizen of God's kingdom. Jesus' followers, the powerful men, they they all want to push ahead, push to the place of power, to the house of the leader of the synagogue. Ignore her, she's beyond help. Rush to the little girl's bedside. Her dad can afford to pay for her care. I can't help but notice how many times in this passage men are eager to make health care decisions for women. (laughs) Some things never change. Some change is long overdue. Jesus subverts the power dynamics of his day. And he goes further. He looks at the woman who has been healed. And he refuses credit. He says, your faith has made you you well. Your faith has made you well. I need to admit to you, I have a hard time with some of these miracle stories of healing. We live in a day where we know a great deal more about biology than they did in the time of Mark's gospel. I've seen miraculous healings, but the miracles have often been facilitated through medicine. I have family and friends who have lived for years cancer-free after surgery and chemo. I've also known too many stories of people who died young when modern medicine failed. Miracle stories like this one, they make me a bit nervous. This phrase Jesus often uses, your faith has made you well. It can leave you wondering if your faith wasn't enough, if the faith of a loved one wasn't enough to merit a healing. But today, in this story, I hear Jesus often use words a bit differently. Your faith has made you well. Jesus doesn't want the credit. It's not his magic touch. It's not some divine fiber woven into the hem of his robe. Jesus didn't heal this woman on his own. Her faith, her agency, her persistence, her audacity, the woman's faith healed her. You have power. You have a voice. You have a story. Jesus wants her to tell her truth. Reading the Gospels, a pattern emerges around these healing stories. In the previous story, just before this one, the same chapter of Mark's Gospel, just before they reached the town, Jesus was out among the Gerasenes. There he healed a man suffering seizures. His fellow townsfolk had tried to restrain him out among the tombs. He was cast out, seen as possessed, unclean, unfit to participate in society. Jesus heals him. He casts out the demons. He says to the man, go home and tell your friends. Jesus heals the man not just from his physical malady, but from his separation. Jesus tells him to find his friends, his neighbors. Go back. Go back into town. Tell them how you were healed. 
Jesus restores this man to his rightful place. He counts again among the town's citizens. Again and again, Jesus reincorporates the cast out, the left out, the abandoned. After Jesus hears the whole truth of this woman, healed from bleeding, a group is dispatched from Jairus' household. They tell Jesus not to bother. He's too late. The little girl is dead. Jesus won't be dissuaded. Little girl, get up. Following Jesus means looking for those society leaves behind, those who are judged less, voiceless, meddlesome, problematic. Jesus takes the time. Jesus hears their story. Jesus brings healing and brings them to the table. He counts them as citizens in God's kingdom. And that citizenship matters. That participation matters. Jesus reminds us we belong to a whole bigger than ourselves, bigger than our limited imaginations. We belong to one another, and that belonging matters. This week, we will celebrate independence. The best story of independence in America was there in Jefferson's memorial quotes. Our founders, for perhaps the first time in human history, recognized independent rights for human beings in government documents. We believe in individual rights, human rights. This is the best sense of our talk of citizenship. When we have used the title citizen expansively, we have written the best stories of America. When women fought for and won the vote, when schools were desegregated, when we passed the Civil Rights Act, when Justice Kennedy wrote a majority opinion guaranteeing a right to marriage for same-sex couples, we have stood in the best of America's stories. We celebrate the spirit of independence that inspired these struggles. We understood that citizenship Citizenship meant standing up for freedom, recognizing agency, not sleeping until all are free. But I would venture that one of America's biggest sins also can be found in the background of that same word, independence. Among our gravest sins, where we miss the boat as a nation, is when we function from a sort of radical individualism. When we try and stand alone, when we close ourselves off, when we define our citizenship not by our capacity to expand freedom, to expand who counts, when we define citizenship negatively, saying citizenship is something I can have and you cannot, when we say we have no need of your voice, your story, your truth, your talent, because we can do this ourselves, then we work from the flip side of our best virtues. In the sense that if I have my land, my fence, and my gun, I don't need anyone else. I'm a lonesome cowboy. When we act from this impulse, we often do great harm as a nation. We saw over the past weeks one manifestation of our capacity to do great harm. Little children have been caged by our government, separated from their parents. They've been caged and separated by our attorney general, by our president. This is sinful. This is a crime. Immediately after the election, I preached about the importance of possessive pronouns. 
our government, our attorney general, our president. Possessive pronouns are important because they remind us to whom political leaders are accountable and in whose name they act. I don't have concrete policy proposals for you today around immigration. I would point you to our partners at Cristosal that work every day for human rights for people in Central America. They have some phenomenal policy. I'm not pointing to specific policy, but I can say this is sin and it's happening in our name. These past weeks, we have witnessed blatant public violations of the basic human rights of asylum-seeking families. Those violations are happening in our name. Violations of human rights have been occurring in our name on our southern border for decades. And violations of human rights are woven into the very fabric of our nation. We know racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, ageism, they are real, persistent, and in many places still enforced as the law of our land. Real harm continues to be done in our name. Lives continue to be lost in our name. When we engage in the kind of behavior we have seen the past few weeks, when we work as a people from this radically individualist story, when we claim our citizenship by discounting others, we damage the very fabric of our identity, even for those of us who are surely counted as citizens. Harm does not only happen to the others when we act out of our lesser story as a nation. When we move from a small individualism, we can harm ourselves. Back in 2006, I moved back to the United States, back to California from Honduras. I moved from volunteering in a neighborhood called San Juan de la Vega in Tegucigalpa, at the time one of the poorest and most violent neighborhoods in the Western Hemisphere. And I moved to working in La Jolla, California one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the world. I heard a statistic in my first months back in California that just blew my mind. What struck me was that the suicide rates in both San Juan de la Vega and La Jolla, California were the same, and they were remarkably high. I mention this distinction of wealth because a certain kind of wealth is endemic in this limited vision of the American dream. Wealth is part of how we think about the American dream of citizenship and independence. The American dream can become a nightmare if we only interpret the dream to mean I will have enough money to be able to lock my picket fence and retreat inside my mansion. Fierce independence has the capacity to leave us fiercely alone. We were not made to be lonely. As the news continues to grow grim, it can be tempting to retreat, to withdraw. Don't. Our world needs dreamers. Our world needs folks with the capacity to see what is lovable, what is loving. Our country needs good citizens, caring citizens, and more of them. We are made for independence, yes, but we are also made for interdependence. We are made to rely on one another. The Muslim scholar Omid Safi wrote this week words that have been bred for my journey. Here are some words from Omid Safi. 
we find ourselves in the midst of a generational struggle. There are no quick fixes. Injustice and bigotry did not begin with Trump, and it will not end with him. Part of the challenge of our age is that we will have to keep reaching out to one another, holding each other up, and replenishing ourselves in the very midst of struggle. Our souls are tired, our bodies weary, and we have to learn what is good for our souls, what replenishes our hearts, and do it, and do it over and over again. To practice this kind of self-care is revolutionary. It's a revolutionary act of resistance and survival. Take care of your own heart and the hearts of those who stand with you in building a better world. Some words from a Muslim brother. Your faith, your community, your willingness to show up, to persist, to be audacious with your hope, your willingness to count the lost, the least, and the left out among the citizens, to hear their voices, to make their rights real, your willingness to offer a vote and a place to all God's children, it will make you well. It will make America well again. Your faith can heal. We can still write some of the best American stories. When I lived in Washington, D.C., I often took a tour of the monuments at night. I think the monuments are really at their most spectacular in the dark. When the image of the marble appears in the ripples of the tidal basin or in Lincoln's long reflecting pool. From the steps of Lincoln's monument, you can see Jefferson standing out there. If Jefferson trembles about God's justice, Lincoln seems to answer. The words of his second inaugural are also etched in stone. Here's some words from Lincoln. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Malice toward none and charity for all. Who will you count in this American project? Who will count as your neighbor, as your friend, as your fellow citizen? For whom will you pray? With whom will you stand? Jesus will meet you in the work to bind, to build, and to tell the whole truth. We can achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace. This is a time not for shrinking, but for growth as a nation, as a collective of citizens. When we have seen citizenship, not as a resource to be defended, but as a project to be shared, we have been closer to the dream Jesus has for our world. Our faith can make us well. Amen.